I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. Today, I am delighted to have Martin Whitaker, CEO of Just Capital, return to the show. And today, he's going to share the 2024 rankings of America's most just companies, the Just 100. The Just 100 is the only comprehensive ranking of how today's largest public companies perform on the issues that matter most to Americans today discovered via comprehensive surveying. And what do Americans want to see in just business? Well, they want to see businesses paying a fair living wage, creating jobs in the U.S., the integrity of the company's leadership, their transparency, their governance, supporting workforce training and retention, protecting worker health and safety, protecting customer privacy, minimizing pollution, and taking other climate change-oriented actions, and as well, taking actions to create a more resilient, safe, and healthier community. Welcome back. It's always a joy to have you here. It's always a joy to be here, Carol. You you ask good questions, tough questions. You keep us honest, and uh, you know you 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 push us, but you push us in the right way. And you, I know, I know you you're yourself are deeply committed to these things. So, yeah, it's great to be here. Well, well, thank you, thank you for coming back. And um, what we'd like to do is for those of you that don't know you, we just love um, to have you just talk a little bit about your background and why. You love this work that you do. I have spent my whole career pretty much in this intersection of of capital and business on the one hand and doing some kind of good in the world on the other. And, you know, I've always believed and have tried to drive both at once, you know, business and, and capital and money as, as a force for good. And, you know, that's, that I came at it initially from a research standpoint. I was, I was part of, uh, one of the first ESG rating and ranking companies way back in the early nineties. My stinted Swiss Re was really all about climate and environment and how to use insurance and markets to try and drive change and manage risk. And then I moved into, private equity and venture and, and wealth advisory. But it's all been connected by this idea that business and money can make the world a better place. And so when I got the chance to be CEO at Just Capital, when Just was literally get, you know getting off the ground, that was a decade ago, if you can believe it, Carol. This year's our 10th anniversary. You know, I jumped to the chance because it, it, it brought together everything that I'd done in my career up until that point, And it gave me the chance to work with some incredible people on what I think is the most important issue of the day, which is how do you get capitalism working for more people? How do you get capitalism working for more people? You've been doing it wonderfully for a decade. And one of the ways you do that is the Just 100. And the Just 100 has become such a valued accolade and um, recognition for companies. They really, and they don't wake up in the morning CEOs to win the award. They manage their companies in such a forward-thinking and relevant way for the times, and in doing so, 
they then get recognized with this award. So can you talk a little, little bit about the methodology behind the previous method, methodology? Because I know you've changed a bit. But how you've done it, because you have, you have quantified, you have captured what is justness in the, in the minds of core stakeholders in this country. Well, the, 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 the methodology is always evolving because we want to, we believe in continual improvement, but, but the framework hasn't changed from the beginning, which is, first of all, we, we go out and ask the American people what makes a just company. Um, what are the issues that comprise just business behavior? We do that on a fully representative basis. We're totally objective on, on politically. We go all around the country. And, um, you know, that public opinion research process is one of the unique things about just we, we, we don't define what we measure the American people. And so that gives us the framework, if you will, the blueprint for what issues we, we, we are going to measure companies against. We also ask the public to weight those issues. So in our final model, different issues have different weights. Those weights all come from the public's preferred prioritization of those issues. We then, our team here then goes and gets the best available public information to measure, analyze, and rank the 1,000 largest publicly traded companies in America on all of the of the issues that the American people have told us matter. And then with the rankings and all the data that goes behind it, we then lift up leadership. America's most just companies in every industry. And then beneath that, we have dozens and dozens and dozens of other winners in different categories on different issues. And the magic for us, Carol, as you know, is, you know, we're not trying to name and shame. We're, we're trying to lift up leadership in a, in a trustworthy, accurate way. You know, we want to be the, the good housekeeping seal of approval, if you will, the, the JD power, the, 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 the brand you trust to, to, to really evaluate which companies are doing the best job on, on creating value for their various stakeholders. And so, so that's the model. And increasingly over the years, more and more companies have warmed to that. As you say, they, it, they now see that uh, the rankings and the award of the, the, the just 100, um, which is the top 100 companies. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we launched the, we rang the closing bell of the NASDAQ yesterday with the number one company, the CEO of the number one company, Antonio Neri, which is, uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise. As I say to the companies, our success is really your success. And, um, you know, we want to tell those stories and lift up American business leadership and do that in as powerful and as meaningful a way as we can. And I've seen it over the years. I mean, I saw it in the first few years when um, I quickly uh, landed on your doorstep because I totally was in alignment with what you were doing. And, you know, our clients were skeptical. You know, they said, gee, how do I get in it? Is this a pay for play and whatever? And you have just been so credible and authentic in what you have done. I, I want you to share with our listeners how many Tens of thousands of citizens have you queried over the last 10 years? It's a big number. We're pushing about 175,000. We'll do another, I don't know, 5,000, maybe 10,000 this year. So, you know, we do that every year. We, we, 
it's not just one survey. It's a sequence of, of focus groups. And then we do qualitative surveys. We'll sometimes poll on specific, you know, high importance issues of the day to understand how did the American people think about this or that. And so w- there was a lot of skepticism initially. And quite honestly, Carol, when we, we did our first few years of surveys and polling, we didn't know what we would find. I had a lot of people in the industry that I know say, why would you ask the public? You know, the American people, A, they can't agree on anything, and, and B, they don't really know much about these issues. And both of those things are wrong. In fact, we've got a huge amount of agreement, even across political lines, and the issues that get identified are really, really crucial kitchen table issues that affect American families every day all around the country. What are the core issues? Did Have they trended? Have they stayed the same? Are there some ones that are really, really poignant today? I think what we've seen over the years is that worker-related issues have, have always been at or close to the top. We, we basically divide 20 separate issues into five categories. And the five categories are, how does a Trump company treat its workforce? How does a company treat the communities where it operates? And that includes supply chains around the world. How do companies treat their customers? Uh, how do companies treat the environment? And then shareholders and governance, where we're looking for leadership with integrity and ethics and things like that, and good governance, including, by the way, making money. Because Part of being a just company is, is staying in business and making a profit. And so the American people understand that. I think what's happened over the years is we've, we've seen worker issues become more and more important. The number one issue this year is pays a fair living wage. And that was number one last year, but it's, it's waiting has improved. But it, what it really means is it's, it's a proxy for how financially vulnerable or or well off people think they are like it's it's a proxy for their financial and economic well-being you know do they do they feel like they're compensated well compensated fairly for the work they're doing and so that's that's the number one issue it's getting more and more important number two this year is creates jobs in the u.s i think people are worried about the job market and i know the economy's going well and the job market is kind of funky right now, but but creating good jobs uh, in the U.S. has is is also clearly very important. And then number three is not a work-related issue, but it's still uh, risen in importance, which is basically about accountability. I think we, we call it accountability to all stakeholders. That what what people really mean by that is a company that's you know taking its responsibilities to society seriously. And is is aware that it it, it needs to be accountable uh, for its impacts on society. And how has governance changed over the years? I'm curious. We want companies to be led by people with with, with integrity. It's tough to measure. So, but really, what we look for are measures of accountability. How are how is executive compensation handled? How is the board comprised? Um, do you start to see board representation and we do measure board diversity so you start you start to see this issue of accountability show up in governance and i think come along with that comes issues like transparency reporting so that people can see and make their own minds up 
how companies are really doing on issues that they care about. So that all, that has all become much more important and more prominent in the in the idea of of a well governed company over the years. Let's talk about HPE, the number one. Um, why were they number one? Well, they're number one because I mean you you can't be number one in our rankings unless you're good at pretty much everything. Um, which HPE is they're number one in their industry. They're tied first for workers. Uh, in their industry, or they are number one for workers in their industry, the 21st overall, the number one in their industry for environment, the number one in their industry for communities. They do extraordinarily well on a couple of things I can point out. One is their apprenticeship programs. Interesting, their CEO, Antonio Neri, who, who was with us yesterday at NASDAQ, uh, he started out as an apprentice. Oh, that's lovely. That's great. Yeah, it's an amazing story. And uh, I encourage anyone listening to this to go check it out. He's an amazing individual and his leadership is really second to none. He really personifies the idea of a just leader, which, which by the way, is, I think, essential. You got to have CEO leadership on just issues. And, and if you don't have that, it's never really going to permeate a company. But Antonio is, has really you know, embodied that. HP also has the best paid maternity and paternity leave in the Russell 1000. They do 26 weeks. So, so they, they, they have a number of very, very clear targets, which they've hit also for representation and diversity on the management team, the leadership team, the board, by gender, by race. So they're walking the talk. They, they, they have incredibly uh, stringent and aggressive environmental objectives around, especially around net zero. And Antonio tells it like it is. They're winning business all around the world because they're seen as a leader on energy efficiency and environmental issues. So all of this relates to their business leadership as well as their, uh, you know, their, their leadership in the just rankings. I love what you said, and this is really important for our listeners, that the CEO has to lead and shape a a just company. We always say it can't be laminated. It has to be lived. 100%. Honestly, I look throughout our Just 100 and and throughout the rankings that there's leadership throughout corporate America. It doesn't have to be always the CEO. We see leadership at different levels it tends to tends to land well in the C-suite. You tend to have board members who also care about these issues. And so the totality of that makes for a company whose DNA is is sort of committed to being the best they can be as a just company. And when that happens, not only do they start to, you know, we see material change, but also we start to see that translate into business results. And, I, you know, we can talk about this now or later, but all of our just indices, you know, the top companies are outperforming the benchmarks in the market. So it shows up, uh, again, in, in financial performance. Let's talk about the hard results, if we can. So the reason I say that is, you know, we've had a, a an index live trading now since... December 2016. It's, it's the top half of companies that we rank in every industry. And that index has beaten the Russell 1000 benchmark by over 10%. Since that time, we've had the Just 100, which is an equal weighted index, the Just 100 names, 
that has beaten the Russell 1000 equal weighted index by 38% since inception. It's up 3% year to date this year. The worker index, if he just took the companies that lead on workers also against the Russell 1000 equal weighted index, our worker focused index has beaten that benchmark by over 100% since January 2018. And then the last data point I'll, I'll give you is is a spread. So the top 10% of companies that we rank has outperformed the bottom 10% since January 2018 by over 75%. Those percentages that you surpass the Russell 1000, we got to get those numbers out there because I am always asked, oh, this is great and this is wonderful and whatever, but you are absolutely creating the management guide for greater value to all and greater value even in, you know, in their, in the equities. Um, so I, I, I want to see more of those out there. Of course, we're going to promote them like crazy. Uh, you know, we, you. we, we have a place on our website. It's called the case for purpose and we put all of this data and we're going to put your data right at the top because it's also the most recent. So we love it. Were there any surprises? in some of the categories or maybe in the top 10 of the Just 100 this year? We saw semiconductors do really well this year. We, we saw uh, healthcare companies too. Uh, actually, some of the banks did well. So, But the semis did well, which is kind of interesting. We saw a lot of industry representation, perhaps more industry representation than just 100 than we've had in previous years. So that's good. It means that other companies are from other industries are, are you know, finding You're drawing them in, right? Yeah, exactly. Are there any other stories from the 937 companies that were analyzed that really, you know, kind of stood out for you? I actually went through this year um, and looked at as many companies that had improved or that had been a number one standout on on individual issues. And I love those nuggets. You know, I love celebrating the, the Just 100 and the big companies, but I also love the little nuggets that come out when you get down into the details. You know, I, I, I found that Valvoline, which, you know, I don't know much about Valvoline, but turns out within their industry, they're Number one on worker advancement and training. And I, I'd love to know how did that happen? Who's behind that? Who, who are the people benefiting from that? You know, like those kind of stories to me are really what we want to really get into with, with our work. To our listeners, I know we're asked all the time, how do I get either in the Just 100 or how can I get higher? So can you share what are the best practices that companies Besides the fact they need to be well run, we got that, but you need to get the data. And then you also talk to them. And I always say, hey, you can talk to them. They go, what? I can talk to them? So what are the best practices so that your team has the best information, the most accurate information? Honestly, we've, we've invested a lot of money over the years and a lot of time over the years. We have a dedicated team to engage with companies throughout the process. The best thing they can do is just email us or reach out to our website. I think it's corporateengage.justcapital.com. We are geared up to, to, to work with companies. We are bringing to market, uh, you alluded to this earlier, where this year we're developing a toolkit for companies. 
And so we want to offer a lot more value-added services to companies to help them improve, to help them benchmark themselves, to help them understand what best practice looks like, you know, to look at the ROI of sort of stakeholder performance, lots of other things too. So all of that's in the works, but but really the best thing they can do is just reach out to us. And you respond, which is which is great. And by the way, just a, this is a little this is a little promo for you. Just Capital is a not for profit, guys. So, um, you know, I always send them some money during the year. Uh, you know, if all of us can chip in a little bit more, um, because they are truly, um, you know, they they need our support to do this amazing work. What do you think of the term responsible business? I know that some um, organizations, and I won't name them, are saying, look, let's n- not use the ESG term. Let's use responsible business. Um, you know, what are you thinking about that? Well, it's kind of coming full circle for me. You know, I do remember the the rise and I'm not sure if it's fallen yet, but perhaps become out of out of favor of corporate social responsibility. The idea of responsibility, I think, is kind of widely appealing so I can understand why today it would be back in vogue. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I, I think, that you, you know, it, it begs the question, responsible to whom? And so that's that's interesting. I feel like we are so get caught up so much in labels and acronyms. You know, when you get to the underlying issues and you look at the substance of of business performance on the underlying issues, you know, that's really what it's about. So I, I, I don't really mind what you call it. I, I rather the world call it just business, but, mm-hmm. but there that's, you go. You know, try, I'm trying to do that, but. So with the idea yeah. of instead of calling <laughs> it ESG or responsible business, let's call it just business. Then my, my wish for you is that you partner with a business school or two or three and there's a whole course of work, body of work called just business and that they rename it. Amen, Carol. Amen to that. So five years into the future, we're having this conversation. So what changes or evolutions do you wish you're going to see in five years? Well, I'll tell you what's on my mind on that, because I've had these conversations recently with our chair, Paul Tudor-Jones, about AI and this idea that AI is going to be a massive accelerant for productivity in America, but also a massive accelerant. It also brings with it a lot of societal risks. It can undermine trust in systems and trust in companies, um, but it can bring about huge benefits as well. And so how that shakes out, how the wealth that gets created from the deployment of AI over the next five years, that I think is going to have a major impact on what we do. If it exacerbates inequality, I could see workers being not 40, whatever it is now, 42% of the model. I could see being 80% of the model. I could see being paid fairly and being paid a living wage, not being 17%, but being, I don't know, 30%. So I can see worker-related issues becoming a lot more important because if it really has a negative impact, a huge negative impact on white-collar jobs and disrupts the labor market with a lot of, you know, rapid and unforeseen circumstances, I I can see that playing out in 
in what this idea of a just company even even means. So that to me is the biggest influencer over the next five years. The idea of purpose, you know, what do you stand for? Why? What are you trying to achieve? I think that comes down to values, and I like to think that those those don't change much. I don't think I hope my values will be the same five years from now as they are today, and I'm not sure my values today are different from what they were five years ago. So, so I like to, I th- I think that's something enduring, and that probably is a source of great hope for the future as well. Love that answer, and, and I do agree with you that the values. You know, you know, we're working with we are working with companies today, and they're saying, you know, what is it, my soul? You know, what is my character like? What are my values? What are my behaviors? And hopefully AI is not going to tell us how to do that. We have, as humans, have to embrace that, as to your point, transparent and trusted and con- and consistent. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, people have to ask themselves, is this serving the purpose? Is this consistent with the values that I hold here? And, uh, you know, everyone's got to do that, especially leaders today have to do that, look themselves in the mirror and be comfortable with the answer. Uh comfortable with the answer. So, you know, I always like to give the um, the last words to my guest uh, before we close. This has been a great conversation, as it always is with you, my dear friend. So, Mike's over to you. I just want to say thank you, Carol. This is my 10-year anniversary as CEO of Just. And, you know, looking back over that decade, I, I'm, you know, obviously th- things have changed immeasurably over that period of time in in social and political terms. But I think this idea of a just company or companies that really are 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 really actually trying to figure out how they can uh you know have a better impact on society. I think that is that has also come on leaps and bounds. I really do. There's many reasons to be pessimistic these days. And politically, absolutely, there's a lot of divisiveness. But when it comes to business and when it comes to capitalism working for more people, this is a united country. Believe me, you mark my words. This idea of business as a force for good is something that can bring us together. And that's that's what gets me going every day. I want to thank you, Martin Whitaker, CEO of Just Capital. Congratulations on your 10th anniversary. Thank you, Carol. The pleasure's all mine. It's great to be here, and uh, I know we'll do it again sometime. This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Anne Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cohn on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson, our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. So please rate and rank us because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. Thanks so much for listening.